Jesus, we love your name. We love you. We love everything there is to do with you, everything about you, everything surrounding you, everything that you've done and that you are doing and that you will do. Jesus, we love you. Lord, as we look into your word to us today, we ask that it wouldn't just be word, but that your word might become flesh inside of us. And Lord, Holy Spirit of God, do the transformation and bring the healing and the release that you long to give. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We open our hearts and our minds. We offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to you right now. Spirit of God, speak to us. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. many of you want to be happy? Oh, three of you. Is that all? You're a miserable bunch of people, aren't you? Let me start again. How many of you would like to be happy? Yes, that's better. Thank goodness. I was just about to go somewhere else. So I may as well just go off and have a cup of coffee and go and talk to someone else because you guys are just... All of us, everybody, I'm sure if you were to ask that same question, wherever you are in the world, whatever the situation, if you were to ask that question, do you want to be happy, everyone would say yes. It's part of what we strive to, isn't it? It's part of why we work so hard, because we want to be happy. You think about a married couple, when they come and it's their wedding day, how much, they don't just turn up, do they, on the day? I've never had a couple that come to me and go, yeah, whatever, we don't mind. You sort it out. We'll just, you know, we'll just go with the flow today. I go, yeah, what about lunch after? Oh, well, you know, we'll go over the road and buy some crisps, so that'll do, won't it? They don't do that. They plan for months and months and months and months. And why? Because they want the day to be perfect in every way, shape, and form. They want to be happy. They want to be able to look back in years to come on their wedding day and say, that, that was just an amazing day. We were really, really happy. It was a fantastic start. And everybody else wants them to be happy as well. Do you know what the big is? It's unforgiveness. When we don't forgive, when we harbor things in our hearts, when we, when we allow it to stay there and to fester and to grow, You know what happens? It robs us of joy. It robs us of happiness. It robs us of peace. Because what happens is that we start to focus on whatever that situation was, whatever that person is that made us unhappy, whatever that that root of that bitterness is, and we focus on it and it starts to grow and consume us. And we get stuck with looking in the past at those people or that situation. How many people do you know? How many people come to me when I'm sitting in the office there? And after about five minutes, it goes back to the same old thing over and over and over again. There was one thing that happened in their life. 
And they just keep referring back to it over and over and over and over again. I was with somebody once and I, I just said to them, just stop. Stop what you're saying because it's just going back and back and back. You need to let it go. You need forgiveness because it just robbed them of joy. Everything, all their problems today stemmed that back to that one thing. That's how they used to think. And it's so true for all of us. Happiness is robbed. Joy is robbed. Blessing is robbed. Peace is robbed when we allow bitterness, unhappiness, unforgiveness to take root in our hearts. Look at the, do you remember the story of Ruth? One of the most beautiful stories in the Bible, isn't it? The book of Ruth. What happens? You have this woman, Ruth. She's married to this guy, Elimelech. And there's famine. There's no food where they are in Jerusalem, in Israel. So Elimelech, being a wise guy that he is, says, let's go and we'll leave and we'll go to Moab. Because it sounds like they've got a bit of food there. So they get off and they go and they take their two sons with them and they settle in the land of Moab. And all is going well for a bit, but then the sons get married to two beautiful Moabite women. And it's all going well and then all of a sudden Elimelech dies. And Naomi is without a husband. And then not only that, her two sons then die as well. And so she's left there as a widow with two daughters. And how do we support them? How, who's going to work? How are we going to survive? And finally she hears, not just to, to, to rub salt into the wounds of her life, she hears that now there's food back where she came from, back where her family is. So she says, I'm going to head back to Israel. And she said to her daughters, you stay here. There's nothing for you. But Ruth decides to go with her. And when she comes back to Israel, what she says is she goes back and all her family and her friends and her neighbors are all there and go, hey, that, that, that kind of looks like Naomi that left, but my goodness, she doesn't look good. Life has been hard for her and you can see it in her face and in the way she is. And she says to them, don't call me Naomi anymore because Naomi means sweetness and beautiful. He says, call me Mara, call me bitter, because God has given me a life of bitterness. That was her word, Ruth 1.20. When she goes back, she says, you know what? I'm going to live my life remembering this terrible incident. We should never have left. We shouldn't have gone to Moab, and it's been a disaster. And she was looking there, standing there, Naomi, the sweet one, was looking back and saying, you know what? My life is just ruined. I've got no husband. I've got no sons in which to take the name on. My life is nothing. Call me bitter from now on. And her story so often is our story too. You see, what happens is gradually when you do that, your heart starts to harden. Your perspective starts to narrow. Your focus gets so honed in that all you can talk about, all you can think about is that moment or those situations. And everything in life revolves around that event or that person and the unforgiveness and the bitterness 
that you feel in your heart. You know, the Bible constantly tells us, doesn't it? Forgive. Disciples came to Jesus and said, how many times do we have to forgive? Seven times? He went, no, 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 keep guessing. Well, seven times seven? No, no, keep guessing. More, 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 more. Seventy times seven? Just keep on forgiving, forgiving, forgiving. Jesus on the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive. The Bible from beginning to end is, is a story about forgiveness. God's forgiveness of us and how through that we need to forgive one another. Look in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 because this section today that we're looking at as we journey through is about forgiveness. It's about how we get that bitterness out of our lives, that unforgiveness out of our lives and how we do away with it and we live as forgiven, as clean people. Remember the journey that Paul's taken us on in the book of Ephesians? He said, first of all, we're saved by grace. It's not anything that we can do. It's what Jesus Christ has done for us. He's done all the work that has welcomed us back into the family. And then from there, he says, you know what? We're all welcome. There is no dividing wall anymore. All the barriers of hostility, he says, have been knocked down. Everybody is welcome into God's family. It's for Jews and for Gentiles. And we're all being built together into this holy temple. Somewhere where God will rest and reside. Then he says, he goes on from there and he says, not only are we the holy temple, but this temple is to be a witness. We are to be a witness, not just to the people around us, not just to the community around us, but even up to the heavenly realms. That as we allow God to, to mold us into his temple, as we allow him to, to live in us and work in and through us. So we are witnesses to the heavenly realms as well as the earthly realms as well. And how do we maintain that? He says it's through prayer. Because through prayer, as we open ourselves up to God through prayer, as we, as we listen to him and as we share with him, we open our hearts and our spirits up. And the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, comes in and it flows through us. And there is power in that prayer. Because the power doesn't generate, doesn't come from within me and you. It comes from the Holy Spirit of God. Who has power to create out of nothing. That same power is flowing through each one of us. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or even think or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. And then he says, after that, that we are this temple and this powerful temple that is a witness, then God has given us different gifts and abilities to be used for the building up of one another. And everyone has a part to play in this. We are all part of the same body, all part of the kingdom, and that we need to use those gifts and abilities. Why? Because he's made us new, which we looked at a couple of weeks ago. We are new. And we allow God as we allow God to not just affect our hearts, the core of us, but our minds as well. We've been made new in our thinking, in the way that we do things. And our attitudes and our, our, our will needs to be in tune with the will of God. And then he picks it. Let's pick it up then from verse 25 in chapter 4 
of Ephesians. He said, therefore, after all of this stuff, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. We're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for the building of others, for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Thanks be to God. So how do we forgive? Because, you know, genuine forgiveness is not easy. Let's, let's state that right at the start. Forgiveness is not easy. It's easy to say, I forgive you. It's easy to, to, if it's something that doesn't really affect us, but the things that come in and affect us deeply, it's not easy to then say, I forgive and mean it. So how do we forgive? First thing I think you need to do, and this is just a suggestion, but I found over the years this has worked well for me and for others with whom I've shared it. First thing you need to do is you need to write on a piece of paper the name of the person you need to forgive. It helps you, when you write something down, it helps you to focus your attention on it. If you just think it, millions of thoughts come into your head all the time, don't they? Quite hard to focus your thoughts on any one thing. While I'm talking to you, you know, you're over there thinking, oh man, forgot to put the cat out. And, oh, I've got to get milk on my way home. You know, all these other thoughts start coming into your head. We're all like that. But when you write it on a piece of paper, it kind of focuses it down. It's like when you, when you study for exams. You can just read things and think, I've done my studying. But actually, the way to do it is to write it all out. If you can write it out, it, it not only goes into your head, it, it just somehow gets into your system a lot better. Because you're seeing it with your eyes and you're physically putting it down. And your different senses are all engaging with it. So put the name of that person down at the top of a piece of paper. This is the person you need to forgive. Because of that hardness and that bitterness in your life. Think about them. Think about who they are as you write down their name. The second thing you need to do is, underneath that name, write down everything that you need forgiveness for. Not to do with them, but you. There's a list here that Paul gives us. If you can't remember, if you think, well, actually, I don't really need any forgiveness at all. Well, then you're either Jesus, and you've come back and we've missed it, or else you're deceiving yourself. Look at the list that he gives us. Paul gives us this list. He says in Ephesians 4, he says, falsehood, not speaking the truth. Well, that counts every politician in there, doesn't it? And all of us as well. How many times do you spin a story? 
And you don't tell anybody the whole truth because that may look, make yourself look a little bit bad. Or sometimes we just lie and admit to it. He said, secondly, anger. How many times do you get angry? Driving along, you're getting stressed, someone cuts you up. What goes through your head and your heart? Something doesn't quite go your way. What goes through your head and your heart? Somebody lets you down. They don't do the thing they said they're going to do. What happens inside? You start to bubble and burn. It says, sometimes we give the devil a foothold. Sometimes we're, we're guilty of allowing the enemy to, to have that foothold in our life, and we should do something about it, but we don't. Sometimes we hold on to things. It says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. How many of you go to bed at night and you wake up in the morning wrestling with the same thing? Because you've not actually given it to the Lord. You go to bed angry, you go to bed stressed, you go to bed at night worrying about something, you wake up in the morning, you're just as stressed, just as angry, just as worrying about it because you didn't give it to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you just kept it there yourself. It says, clean it all out at the end of the day. So often we don't do that. Stealing, he says. I don't think this is meaning about doing a bank robbery. But how many of us borrow things and never give them back? How many of us take things... Uh, yeah, 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 I'll do that. But or we steal time from other, or we steal in other ways, don't we? Today. Don't do it, he says. Or not sharing with one another. That's a form of stealing. If God has blessed us with abundance, and then we don't share that abundance with someone that we see who has need. Maybe we're just too busy. Maybe we don't want to get involved. Maybe it's from some other reason. What about unwholesome talk coming out of your mouth? Guilty or not guilty? Building others up. Sometimes we fail to do that. We, God gives us opportunity after opportunity to help one another. We're just so locked in to our world and our life that we, we don't do it. Sometimes we grieve the Holy Spirit. We, we don't allow access to the Spirit of God in our lives like we should do. And we block Him. And we fight for that. And we say, God, you can have these parts of my life. But these other bits, uh-uh. You're not having them. I want to maintain control over parts of my life. It says, get rid of anger or bitterness, sorry. Get rid of rage. Get rid of anger. Get rid of brawling. Get rid of slander and gossip about others. I think our coffee shops in Harrow would close if there was no more slander or gossip. Get rid of malice, where you plot and you plan revenge, or you think about it and you think, oh, it would, it would be really good if they went and got a puncture in the middle of nowhere. And then I would feel better. You know how it goes in our minds? Paul gives us this list because he's saying, you know what? 
As it says in Romans 3.23, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we put their name at the top of a list, the top of a sheet of paper, and then write down all the things that we need forgiveness for. Why? Because that gives us perspective. Instead of us focusing on them and all their sins and all what they've done and thinking of ourselves as righteous and holy and pure, you start listing all the things where you need the forgiveness of God. Then you put in perspective the hurt and the pain that they have caused you. You don't diminish it. You don't get rid of it. You don't say it doesn't matter anymore because it does because that bitterness and that hardness has started within you. But at least it gives it a context and a perspective in which you can begin to unpack it. Then you can come with humility to God and receive the forgiveness that you're asking for. Second thing, you write down everything that needs forgiveness. The third thing you need to do is to try and understand why it hurts so much. I think there are five ways in which bitterness takes root within us. One way is that you mistakenly believe that someone has done you wrong. You know how it goes? You, you go out with a friend, you go, I can't believe so-and-so did this to me. I just can't believe it. Now, they have no idea that they did anything at all. But what, what happens is that you have made an assessment and a judgment call on their character because of how you feel. They're, they're going around perfectly oblivious to the whole situation. Happened to you? It's happened to me loads of times. You've made assumptions about them, about their motivation and about what they're doing. And what happens is if you actually go and speak to them, you suddenly realize that they, they had no clue what had happened at all. And they oh, I'm really sorry. I didn't realize. I'm really sorry. And it's all finished. But what happens is, you go, I'm not going to go talk to them. Why should they got to come talk to me? And they don't even know they've done anything wrong. And you get entrenched there, and, you, and, it, and it grows, and it festers, and it grows, because you have mistaken their motivation. Second way is that sometimes you have unreasonable expectations, and they remain unmet. You say to yourself, they should have done this. They should have behaved in this way. How many people leave churches because their ministers haven't met what they wanted them to meet? The pastors, what happens is you give unrealistic expectations on a pastor and you say, if they don't meet up to that, I'm leaving. If Ronnie doesn't meet up to it in worship, we're out of here. We're going somewhere else. And what happens is that you get people that go from church to church to church to church to church. Because sooner or later, people will, they'll feel like people have let them down. The issue is not the, the other people. The issue is with them. They have an unrealistic expectation of what they want. And they get bitter if they don't receive it. You should have done this. You should have done that. Why don't you do this? Why don't you meet my need? And then bitterness takes root. Sometimes people allow bitterness and, and unhappiness and, and sin to, to, to gather in their lives because somebody else tries to help them, to correct them. But they're not willing. Pride sets in. How dare they say that to me? Who do they think they are? 
How could Jenny come up to me and say that to me? Have you seen Jenny's life? You know, and you start arguing like this. How dare they? Because they've offended you. Just picking on Jenny because she's in the front row there. <laughs> right? But that's what happens, isn't it? How dare they? And you, and you get affronted and you say, that's not, that shouldn't happen to me. They, how dare they say that? Who do they think they are saying that to me? And instead of receiving the words that they said and actually looking in your own life, you just reject the person and the words because you don't want to take on board anything that they're saying. And that's the easier option. Who's got the problem? Not Jenny who came to me. It's me who has a hardness of heart that is unwilling to be corrected and helped. And so bitterness sets in. Sometimes it's because you're jealous of others. You're envious. Why does God bless Jenny more than he blesses me? That's not fair. You know, and you look at you look at another person's life and you say, That's just a, why, why, what's wrong with me? And then bitterness sets in. It's not fair. Why did he give Ronnie so many gifts and abilities and I don't have it? I pick up a guitar, you'd all walk out. Why? Why me? And you look at other people and you compare yourself and you become jealous and so you distance yourself and the relationship starts to fracture and you say, I don't want anything to do with him. And it gets worse. And then you start finding faults and you start picking them apart. And you say, well, he's a useless father and he can't really sing that well anyway. And, and you start, oh, and he missed a note. Did you hear the note he missed last Sunday? Oh, that ruined it for me. And you start doing all these things. You know, you're laughing because you know what I'm talking about. Because it's true in our lives, isn't it? And sometimes... You know, all those four that I've just mentioned, they're all about us. We have the issue in those, in those cases. It's not about Ronnie. It's not, it's, you know, it's not about anybody else. It's about me. But sometimes people treat us badly. Sometimes in life we get sinned against. People will hurt us and damage us. And then bitterness can set in. The second thing you, sorry, the third thing you have to do is you have to go into that and find out why it hurts so much. What is going on inside of me? Because sometimes when people hurt you, you just go, ah, nothing. It's just like, it's life. And you walk on and you forget all about it, don't you? And it never comes up. And, and then somebody will bring it up later and you go, what? I don't even remember that. You know, I've been talking to my, to my brother recently. And he was bringing up stuff from, the, from our childhood. Do you remember the time when? It wasn't particularly bad things. It was like just memories. And I'm going, I remember that. Am I your brother? Like, was I there? And he's kind of bringing all these things. He's older than me and he's got a better memory, obviously. I'm going, I don't remember and sometimes in life, people hurt you and you just, you just walk on. It's just like, oh, well, yeah, that was, just happened and it's cool. But sometimes when they hurt you, it goes so deep inside of you that it takes root. Sometimes people hurt us 
and it's deep within. And that's when the bitterness starts. That's when it starts to take root within our lives. And that's when it starts to rob us of joy and blessing and peace and happiness and everything else. You need to understand why. Why has that thing taken root in me? What is going on within me for that to happen? And often you need to then go and find some friends or a counselor or someone to help you. You go to them and you say, look, this is what happened. This is what somebody did. But I can't seem to get it out of my head and out of my life. It's taken root. And I don't know why. And somebody can help then reflect with you as to maybe why that is. Go find a good friend if you need to and find out what is it within you that's allowing it to take that kind of root within. The next thing you need to do is to remember that forgiveness is spiritual. Verse 32 in Ephesians, he says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. We forgive. We have the capacity to forgive because Christ has forgiven us. Like in 1 John 4, isn't it? We love because God first loved us. We forgive because God has forgiven us. And forgiveness is an act of the will. It's something you decide to do or not to do. Jesus, when he was on the cross, he didn't need forgiveness. He didn't need to offer forgiveness. He chose to offer forgiveness while he was hanging there. Those words, the seven words he said on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He didn't need to say that. He was perfect, but he chose in that moment to pray a prayer of forgiveness over humanity for why we nailed him to that cross. It was an act of his will. The breath that he spoke, that he spoke it out, pained him in the very act of saying it. He was suffocating and his life was flowing out, but it was so important to him. He uttered those words, Father, forgive them. It's an act of the will, but it's a spiritual act. We forgive. In the Lord's Prayer, we say it all the time. Forgive us our trespasses as, they, as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's a decision of your will. It's a spiritual decision to choose to forgive. And how do we do it? Well, you take it to the cross. On your sheet of paper, you look at their name, you look at all the things you need forgiveness for, and you take it to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Write a big cross on that sheet of paper. Draw it. And you speak it out aloud. Sometimes if you need to, it's good to even write it down. Write a letter to them. Don't ever give it to them, but write a letter expressing the pain and the hurt that you felt. And you take it to the cross of Jesus Christ. And you get there and you turn around, you kneel down at the cross and you say, Father, release this from me. Father, I speak forgiveness into this person's life. Father, just heal me. 
I don't want to carry this burden anymore. I don't want this bitterness to take root anymore in my life. Holy Spirit of God, come in and cleanse me. Clear it out of my life. I don't want to carry it. And you breathe out the bitterness and the pain and everything else with tears. You take it out of you and you breathe in the peace of God. You see, when we breathe out that bitterness from our spirit, you're left with a void inside. You need to take in the peace of God at the same time, the love of Christ at the same time. And so you say, Lord, get this out of my system. I don't want to carry this anymore. Take it away from me. And Lord, fill that void with your peace and your love and your joy and your hope and your blessing. Fill it with your presence. Come and invade that space. Send your spirit, the oil of your spirit, to bring healing and wholeness back into my life. Take it to the cross of Jesus Christ and let it go. And then once you've done that, make a choice for kindness and compassion. Verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another. You then need to go and do something that demonstrates the forgiveness. Maybe you need to go and meet with them and say, phone them up and you say, let's go for coffee. Not to gossip, just. Maybe you need to write them a letter and say, this is how I feel. I forgive you. I want this relationship restored. Or maybe you do something to show your, in a practical way, to show the forgiveness that you've received in your heart. You act upon the spiritual change that has come within you. You need to do that. If it's at all possible, act upon it. And then you need to move on. Don't, whatever you do, take it back. Verse 27, it says, don't give the devil a foothold. And what the enemy will try and do is try and get you to take it back. You'll go through all this work. And then in your mind, if it's not renewed, there'll be that thing. You know what? Can't really trust them. You know what? You haven't really forgiven them. And they try, and even if you've put this heavy weight down, the enemy will try and get you to pick it back up and walk out again exactly the same way that you came in. You do not allow him to do that. You keep fighting. You keep saying, no, it's a decision of my will. I have decided. Decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. I have decided to seek forgiveness. I am not turning back to bitterness. I am not going to give the enemy a foothold back in my life. Spirit of God, keep working within me. Keep transforming me so this does not happen. I will not go backwards, but I will move forwards. And we keep on moving forwards with the Lord Jesus Christ. And lastly, you make it a daily exercise. You know why bitterness takes root? Because we don't forgive that evening. We don't do what the scripture says when it says, do not let anger, you know, the sun go down. Every night before we go to sleep, if somebody has wronged you, if you have wronged someone else, ask God to forgive you. Ask God 
to fill you with that forgiveness in your life. So that you do not go to sleep at night with any sense of of anger or bitterness within your heart. It's better for you to stay up for an hour or two and have a good night's sleep than to have a terrible night's sleep and wake up with it burning away in the morning. Stay up, do whatever you need to do, but get rid of it out of your life on a daily basis. Jesus said, take up your cross every day, follow me. He said, every night, don't let the sun go down if you got stuff there. Get rid of it. Dump it at the cross so that you can have a wonderful night's sleep. And you won't let the enemy take that position in your life. Simple steps, but difficult steps to make. You know, forgiveness is one of God's greatest gifts to us. You know that? I am forgiven. Full stop. God looks at me and he says, David, all I see is the blood of Jesus Christ forgiving you. You're pure, you're holy, you're beautiful. You've been forgiven. Past, present, and come. And he wants you and me to be channels of God's forgiveness. You know, our world so badly needs forgiveness, doesn't it? The division that we see, the enmity that we see, the jealousy that we see, the bitterness that we see around us. He wants to lead you and me into the midst of all that and share it with the forgiveness of God. But to do that, first we have to be people of forgiveness. Joy and happiness and peace and love is just waiting to be poured out into us. But to do that, you have to let go of the past. Let go of the things that are chaining you to the past so that you can receive all the presence and the future blessings that Christ has. God today says, I want you to forgive each other just as in Christ God has forgiven you. You know, too many believers are chained to the past. Too many believers are going around without the joy of the Lord in their lives. Because they're just stuck. They, they've allowed something that's happened within them to take root. You and me are forgiven by God. Just think about that for a moment. We are forgiven, completely forgiven. There is nothing in your life where Christ's death and resurrection can't forgive hasn't already won the forgiveness. And he wants you and me to be channels. Blessed are the peacemakers. Channels of peace. For you are then sons and daughters of God. I pray that each one of us will be free, forgiven, and channels of God's spirit, channels of that forgiveness into the situations where he places us. Let's pray. Lord, your forgiveness is just 
amazing. We don't deserve to be forgiven. Lord, I nailed you to the cross. My stubbornness, my, my selfishness, my sin put you on that cross. And that's true for each one of us. But you said those amazing words. Father, forgive them. And Lord, as we come to terms with that forgiveness, how can we not forgive others? And I pray here for my brothers and sisters, Lord. If there is anyone here that is chained to the past, anyone here that has bitterness for something that's happened in their lives, Maybe it's a misunderstanding, but maybe it's genuine that something as truly horrendous has happened in their lives. Lord, I pray today that you would help them to let it go. He said, come to me if you're weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Lord, you haven't designed us to carry the weight you will carry it for us. It doesn't need to define us. It doesn't need to limit us. You say, give it to me. Give it to me. Give me that bitterness and that hardness of heart and let me make it soft again. Let me transform Mara back into Naomi. Bitterness into sweetness in your life. Lord, do that for each one of us. Speak to us now, Spirit of God. Help us to release ourselves to you. For we ask this in the name of Christ.